Welcome back to our podcast, Regulation Matters, a clear conversation. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Lyon Dempsey. I'm currently the Chief Compliance Officer with Rick Benny Associates Family Dentistry here in North Carolina, and I'm also CLEAR's President-Elect. As many of you are aware, the Council on Licensure Enforcement and Regulation, or CLEAR, is an association of individuals, agencies, and organizations that comprise the international community of professional and occupational regulation. This podcast is an opportunity for you to hear about important topics in our regulatory community. Now, today's episode is an update to a webinar that CLEAR hosted in the fall of 2021 that was dealing with disciplining practitioners for off-duty and COVID misinformation conduct. The webinar focused on whether regulators can and should discipline practitioners, whether that be on-duty or off-duty, for conduct that results in the spread of misinformation or disinformation about COVID-19 and the public health crisis. You can purchase a, a copy of that recording of the webinar on our CLEAR website. Along with the legal perspective and some case examples, the webinar actually highlighted a statement by the Federation of State Medical Boards about disciplining physicians who generate and spread COVID-19 vaccine misinformation and disinformation. FSMB, or as it's called, has recently updated its professional expectations regarding medical misinformation and disinformation policy. Joining us today to talk about this updated policy is Katie Templeton, a recent past president of Oklahoma State Board of Osteopathic Examiners and the chair of the Federation of State Medical Boards Ethics and Professional Committee. So we're super glad to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Line. Um, I'd like to just say hello to all of the listeners and thank you for inviting me to join you today. It was an honor to work with CLEAR and the other regulators in medicine last fall on the webinar related to misinformation. And I'm happy to be back today and to continue this conversation. Well, we're, we're really happy to have you back um, with us. And, and also let us thank our listeners for, for joining us today. So let's get right into it. So the FSMB statement that was released in July of 2021 reminded physicians of the, the high degree of public trust that's placed in them um, and on their ethical and professional responsibility to share factual as well as scientifically grounded information and that spreading COVID vaccine misinformation could result in disciplinary action. Now, I noted that there were two distinct terms. We've talked about it or mentioned it here in the very beginning, but in the statement, um, in the title, it it has misinformation and disinformation. Um, Can you start off by maybe defining uh, the difference between the two and maybe why the difference matters? Absolutely. The main difference between the two terms is kind of the knowingly component of the incorrect information. So misinformation is information that's false, misleading, or inaccurate. And disinformation is that same misinformation, but it's knowingly spread for some ulterior gain. So it could be financial, political, or otherwise. So the disinformation has kind of the added element to it of the intent that the misinformation may be more innocent in its inaccuracy. Got it. Well, that that makes sense. We deal with that a lot of times with with dealing with uh, insurance and 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 billing things. So, why has the Ethics and Professional Committee revised or revisited this policy? I guess what has you know FSMB seen or heard since July of 2021 that resulted in the need to basically update this policy. 
So the original statement that came out by the FSMB Board of Directors in July of 2021 was done so with a sense of urgency due to the timeliness of the topic. Um, you know, our policies from the Federation are adopted by the House of Delegates at our annual meeting, which is usually, you know, the last week in April. And we knew back in July that this was a very hot topic and that we needed to come forth and make a statement. Um, so the Board of Directors did so. The full policy was not really a revisiting of that statement, but rather a more in-depth and thorough analysis and response to the topic. It was presented at the annual meeting and then adopted by the House of Delegates, um, which is comprised of the 70 uh, US state and territorial licensing boards. So although they had, um, the committee had begun its charge of addressing misinformation in July of 2021, the board of directors recognized that the full policy would not be um, able to be adopted and then public for another, I think, nine months. So at that time, they wanted to go out. We wanted to go out and put out a statement um, on this topic before the full policy was adopted. Okay, that makes sense. So this was basically a, a kind of a heads up. This is what's going to happen, um, but we need to stop some of this stuff immediately before this actually goes into uh, action. Absolutely. We didn't think that we had nine months to stay silent until we could have the full policy ready to go. Certainly. Well, the statement emphasizes that, you know, medical professionalism, professional duty and ethical responsibility, you know, puts emphasis on all those things. Can you talk about how that comes into play in these situations dealing with with this misinformation and, and disinformation? Yes. Misinformation has really become politically charged in many arenas. But when you think about it, it's tied back to informed consent, which has been an ethical requirement of the practice of medicine for decades. The medical professionalism standpoint encompasses treating patients in an altruistic manner, placing the needs of the patient and the health of the public above any competing interest of the physician. And this all ties into the professional duty and ethical responsibilities to be honest and truthful in all patient interactions and when speaking. I think in general, people assume misinformation is something new. Um, and in some ways it is, especially with the advent of social media and the ability to spread information more quickly. But the topics of being truthful to your patients, giving them all of the information that they require to make an informed decision has been around for decades. And it's an important part of medicine. And when you think about it from that perspective, there's much less disagreement with regard to the topic than when you kind of use these um politically charged words if you will right well i think maybe you know can you highlight some of, of the smmb's uh, recommendations uh, related directly to practitioners absolutely practitioners have a duty to maintain professional standards at all times and this includes conveying information that's based on the best scientific evidence available and they have a duty to convey all relevant information, risks, benefits, and alternatives. Treatment options should be based on available scientific consensus, and they should proceed cautiously in the absence of the same. Sometimes we may not have all the answers, but we do have some answers, and we do have some evidence, and we need to be basing our decisions on that scientific evidence that is available. Uh, practitioners also need to be prepared to handle difficult conversations with patients who may present misinformation and proceed calmly and respectfully in addressing the misinformation. Many patients come to practitioners um, with a fear 
that they've heard somewhere else. And practitioners need to be ready. You know, it can be frustrating for practitioners, but they need to be ready to calmly address it with their specific patient um, to get to the root of the truth and provide the best care that they can to their patients. I think that's brilliant um, to certainly add that aspect. I think that's where a lot of problems you know, happen when people read things on the internet, on Facebook, whatever it is, and um, and you know maybe a, a friend that they respect has forwarded that, and so they take it at 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 face value, and and it certainly can be a very politically charged, um, you know, sentiment. So um, I, I'm glad that you are pointing that out. Um, Absolutely. I've, I once heard that fear is the most um, kind of strongest emotion in driving behavior. And we really see that in this context, especially with COVID-19 um, and kind of the arena that we're in now, fear can really drive people more than anything else. Well, I think, you know, absolutely. Um, it's, it's a, a, it's a monumental amount of of uh, information or misinformation, disinformation that that we have to deal with on a daily basis. Um, I think you know from from our our membership, uh, you know they they probably are mostly interested in the considerations and recommendations for for healthcare regulators and medical boards. You know a lot of medical boards are receiving complaints about practitioners sharing misinformation and disinformation, and of course we've seen you know account of such conduct in the news even if it hasn't been formally submitted to the board as an actual complaint. Um, so FSMB's policy statement lists five specific recommendations for state medical boards. So let's talk about each of these. Um, and and I, th- I think this is the quote here, you know, state medical boards are encouraged to adopt a policy that clarifies board expectations regarding the dissemination of misinformation and disinformation by licensees. So let's start there. Perfect. With the advent of social media and the ability to easily spread misinformation, the landscape has truly changed in this regard. Um, You know, even looking at five years ago, 10 years ago, not that long ago, um, the way people communicate has changed. The way people receive their news, their information, their medical, you know, data has really changed. And many boards do not have policies related to this issue. So boards are encouraged to adopt policies to provide the framework of expectations upon their licensees with regard to misinformation and disinformation. Uh, Many have kind of more catch-all ethics and professionalism, which does cover this, but with the landscape changing, we really encourage boards to address this head-on and provide their licensees with that expectation. The next recommendation is that state medical boards must retain their legislated authority to regulate the professional conduct of licensees in order to effectively protect the public. We feel strongly that state boards should retain their autonomy to regulate professional conduct and protect the public in their specific state or territory. State boards are the single best entity to protect the public and this authority should not be negated. We've seen some state legislatures try to abrogate that authority and it puts the public at risk. We've seen state attorneys general opine that boards should not interfere with the physician-patient relationship. And while their intent was addressing something specific to the current environment, COVID-19, they failed to understand the downstream consequences that sexual boundary violations, overprescribing of opioids, and other situations that, that boards regularly address 
are in fact addressing the physician-patient relationship. So we wanna make sure that those state boards have the authority and the autonomy to protect the public, handle their licensees, be it discipline, education, other remediating measures um, without the overreach of some state legislatures trying to tell them how to do it. We need those state boards to remain autonomous and have that authority. Very good. Um, so related to those cases, uh, state medical boards are encouraged to consider the full array of authorized grounds for disciplinary action in their medical practice acts. So as I mentioned earlier, as these issues are all related to and can fall under kind of the umbrella of professionalism and ethical duties, boards can address these issues under that purview as opposed to needing specific language related to misinformation. You know, most practice acts aren't going to have something specific to COVID-19, misinformation, social media, et cetera, but we have these ethical duties and standards that are required of all of our licensees and this component of you know telling the truth and informed consent all fall under that you know ethical responsibility and boards can use that as a tool in addressing um, the discipline and the rehabilitation of their licensees on this topic okay the next one is when appropriate state medical boards should consider whether the there are options that do not involve disciplinary action that could help a licensee understand the ethical basis of their duty to convey accurate information to patients and the public and change or mediate their behavior appropriately. So discipline is a significant component of what boards do, but the actual goal is to stop or prevent the offending behavior or conduct. Now, most of the time, discipline may be required to effectuate that change. But sometimes it can be in other avenues, such as education, um, especially with misinformation that does not have the same kind of knowing or intentional component as disinformation. Boards are encouraged to look for educational or rehabilitative methods to correct the conduct. The important factor is to prevent the misinformation and disinformation and to support and restore the public trust in the institutions of medicine while protecting the public. The goal at the end of the day is public protection. So if we can reach that goal by educating our licensees um, and other rehabilitative measures that don't necessarily involve you know, a discipline, then that's what we wanna do because we've gotta keep our eye on the prize at the end of the day, which is protecting the public. All right, perfect. And the final uh, recommendation addresses a big concern for regulators and that's state medical boards should not be dissuaded from carrying out their duty to protect the public by concerns about potential challenges to disciplinary actions when these decisions are based on sound regulatory considerations for public protection. So could you bring that down a little bit for us? Yeah, absolutely. In short, the fear of a potential challenge or appeal of a disciplinary action should not dissuade boards from doing the right thing to protect the public. When the decision is based on sound regulatory considerations for public protection, the board should feel confident in moving forward. One of the hot topics that we see or concerns that people have is kind of this free speech component. And, you know, like our hands are tied because of free speech. But when you look at the process as a whole, you know, if it's related to a physician patient relationship one on one, 
then you can address the issues, you know, between the physician and the patient. And things have been asked of, you know, well, what about if it's outside the context of the physician-patient relationship? In most instances, any healthcare provider that is spreading misinformation outside of the context of the healthcare setting is also doing the same within the healthcare setting. So they're very much more tied together than when you think of it as distinctly free speech, you know, over here on the right and over here on the left, the ethical responsibilities of the practice of medicine. Um, and most people that are spreading misinformation or disinformation specifically are doing so to gain something. They're selling something, they're trying to get patients to come to their clinic, there's something else going on, which then also ties it into the practice of medicine. They're not going to be saying one thing over here, but then not spreading the misinformation inside the clinical setting. And that's where there's far greater overlap than when you think of them as two distinct First Amendment free speech over here versus ethical duties to our patients over there. So do you think that you know, looking at this from, you know, uh, misinformation or disinformation that occurs in the clinical setting versus completely separate and outside of the clinical setting, such as like personal social media, et cetera. Do you think that there, that it has been more rampant in one area than the other? I think because of the ease of spread of information via social media, it certainly feels like it's happening more there. Um, you know, the algorithm algorithms of social media, the more it's clicked, liked, you know, engaged with in social media, the more other people will get to see it in their feeds. Um, and so I think it's going on equally in both places, but I think there's a few people causing a lot of spread of misinformation in the social media arena. And so that's what we're seeing more of, or that's what we feel like we're seeing more of. And this seems to tie into a lot of the stuff that we've been recently talking about with regard to, to social media and, 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 and talking about, you know, that, that, white coat that you put on and take off when you leave the practice, um, you know, on practitioners that, that violate this, splitting this information on their own personal social media, but don't necessarily um, present that information at the clinic, are they disciplined differently? Can you ask me that again? Sure. So on, on, if you have a practitioner that is, maybe on his own personal or her personal social media spreading this information or disinformation. Um, but then when he puts the white coat back on and goes into the, the clinic setting and doesn't present those same viewpoints necessarily, doesn't counteract them, I guess, that it's not proactive or, or active in it. Um, do, does that, dis, does, a, does a practitioner get disciplined, um, equally? Um, I, I'm not sure that I would use the word equally. I think you would be looking at it from a different component, um, kind of focusing more on the ethical standards of why you're spreading something 
you know, that you likely know to be false if you're also not telling your patients that in the clinical setting um, versus the standard of care, which you might be looking at if you were just within the clinical setting in, in the misinformation component. Um, and boards discipline lots of things outside the practice of medicine, be it sexual boundary violations that may have not been with a patient, be it addiction, be it, you know, DUIs, like there are a lot of things that fall under this, you know, ethical umbrella under medical practice acts that boards face all the time in every jurisdiction on a regular basis. And so I think keeping that in mind that we boards do have the authority to address things on the basis of the ethical duty in and of itself allows you the ability to address this where maybe it's not inside the clinical setting um, as significantly as they're spreading it elsewhere, but they still have that duty upon them. Brilliant. Well, I think this has been a, a great update on a, a very timely and important topic. Um, so, so thank you, Katie, for, for speaking with me today. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. And um, I look forward to seeing how our boards handle this going forward. Absolutely. It would definitely be interesting to see. And we'd love to continue this conversation on clear communities. So this podcast will be posted there and you can reply with your comments. Here are some additional questions to think about. Has your board dealt with complaints about practitioners disseminating misinformation or disinformation? Does your board have a policy on board expectations regarding dissemination or misinformation um, by the licensees? Do you feel that your board has legal grounds for disciplinary actions? And what concerns do you have in this area? Please share your comments on Clear Communities. I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in for this episode. We'll be back with another episode of Regulation Matters, a clear conversation very soon. If you're new to this podcast, please subscribe to us. You can find us on Podbean or any of your favorite podcast services. And if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please leave a rating or rank Uh, or comment in the app. Uh, Those reviews help us to improve our ranking and make it easier for new listeners to find us. Feel free to visit our website at www.clear.hq.org for additional resources, as well as a calendar of upcoming programs and events. Finally, I'd like to thank our Clear staff, specifically Stephanie Thompson. She is our content coordinator and editor for this program. Once again, I'm Lyne Dempsey, and I hope to be speaking to you again very soon.